Each week, the Bible as Literature podcast brings you in-depth discussion of the biblical text in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult questions meant to keep you engaged. If you value this work, please consider donating as little as 25 cents per episode. That's just $1 per month. To learn more, please visit patreon.com forward slash Bible. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Bible. Thank you. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. In a culture that thrives on positive messages and expects praise from everyone for just about everything, it's easy to assume that St. Paul's use of praise in his letters is a gesture of kindness. Unfortunately for Philemon, a word of praise isn't always praise. Kindness is not always kind, and useful blessings come in ways that you least expect and may not appreciate. But when they come from Paul, they are always presented as an offer you can't refuse. You're listening to the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Bente. And you are listening to episode 43 of the Bible as Literature podcast. We have been spending a lot of time with the prophets in the Older Testament, which is edifying and helpful and useful. But today we're going to talk about the word useful in a different context in the New Testament in a beautiful, succinct letter to Philemon. I love this letter. Dr. Benton, this is the only letter in the New Testament where Paul refers to himself as a prisoner right. and of pri- Jesus Christ. And prisoner just keeps coming up in this book. I was going to say this chapter, but this book, it's just one chapter long. So that's obviously an important theme, and I think it's always important to realize that, that whenever you see a word or an idea repeated over and over in a biblical text, you have to take notice. We have to realize that writing was such a specialized skill and the materials were so precious and expensive we can't assume that people were just being verbose we need to take seriously when they're repeating something over and over again as something that's important not just redundant well it's it's a bit like when a parent scolds a child and they deliver the message and the child says okay 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 i got it the parent says no you didn't get it let me explain it to you again and something that could have been accomplished in two minutes if the child were attuned to the parent's instruction takes 20 minutes because you have to keep drilling. So it has that, you're right, it's a marker in the narrative that has this feel of repetition that is almost paternalistic. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that the root occurs four times in 25 verses. The, the actual Greek word I was referring to, the word for prisoner here, is vesmios. So Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. And then you have the trademark grace to you and peace, which is Paul's reference to the way of the gospel and the coming judgment. But just backing it up a little bit, it's interesting here. The characters that are mentioned, first you have a woman mentioned right off the bat, and Paul refers to her as his sister. This implies, and it's interesting in a Roman context, because Philemon is a patrician, in a Roman household that was baptized by Paul as a a household church. So suddenly you have Paul addressing the patrician of this household, but then referring to a woman in the household as his sister. So already there's a fly in the ointment. There's something about the normal structure of a Roman household that's being undermined. 
because Paul is putting this woman, Apphia, on the same level as Archippus and himself and Timothy. So it's interesting. Archippus is a soldier actually mentioned elsewhere in Paul's writing. He's a member of the Roman cavalry. But Apphia, it's interesting, in his commentary on Philemon, Father Paul Tarazi talks about the connection in the sound of the name Apphia with the Apvia, which is a main road in Rome that went to Brundisium, through which the armies would march and by which slaves were brought back in captivity. So his point is interesting in the context of the letter where we're dealing with a slave of Philemon, Onesimus. Right, and this is, I think, important to understand that when you see that the author is using this theme and this word repetitiously over and over again, it's like you were saying with the example before, why does the parent repeat over and over again? Just because the parent is not sure if you actually got it or not. And Paul wants to make sure that we get it as far as what he's trying to say about a slave. And it's interesting that then one can read through this lens of slave and slavery as a major theme and the bonds and the prisoner in order to see this name through that, through that lens. Right, so it's essentially a counterattack in this context, whereas the Romans would march on this road and take prisoners for the glory of Rome. Paul is marching down the same road to take prisoners, to capture slaves, if you will, for the glory of the gospel. Anyway, so I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, and he's referring to Philemon, of course, because I hear of your love and the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. So your name, Philemon, means love. I'm giving thanks to God that you are on a path to fulfill the meaning of your name, which means love, not for your sake, not even for the sake of your household, which is an important statement because his household is a, it's a household church. That's the paradigm in the New Testament. But for the sake of Christ. Now, the fact that Paul is beginning with what sounds like praise, but then includes this corrective that what you do should be for the sake of Christ, it tells me that there's a shaming coming for this addressee, especially because Paul in the beginning is referring to himself as a prisoner. So Paul himself is in chains. Philemon is not in chains. He's still the head of his household. And he had a dispute with someone whom Paul is now bringing back to him. So I think that Paul is now putting Philemon under judgment for his dispute with Onesimus. And I think that there is something that's powerful in the way this relates to other ideas that we've talked about in previous episodes, which is the way that the gospel has to upset the paradigm under which you're thinking. And so it's significant that someone who is a prisoner, the lowest down there with the slaves, is reprimanding someone who is the head of a household, the top of the society. And so that someone at the bottom is the one with the authority reprimanding someone who is supposed to have all the authority as one who is a child and being reprimanded. We have to understand this, that the fact that Paul is speaking as someone who is a prisoner is significant because of the way it's juxtaposed with the position of Philemon himself. Right, and he's coming with Onesimus, whose name means useful. Useful for what? Useful for the cause of Jesus Christ, 
to put Philemon to shame for the gospel. Onesimus was from Philemon's household initially, so he's bringing this person who was of a very low rank in Philemon's household, with whom Philemon had a falling out, and he's now putting him to good use to shame the patrician with the least of the brethren. Paul makes himself the least, and he comes with someone whom Philemon would consider even lower, but Paul considers him not only useful, but a brother, just like he considers Aphia, who may be the sister of Philemon or the wife of Philemon, probably the wife because she had an important status in the church context, right? It doesn't matter. The point is he's leveling the playing field. Well, and the other thing that's significant, notice that he says in verse 10 that he begot Onesimus in his bonds. Who is the man who begets? It's the head of the household. Mm -hmm. Paul, by begetting Onesimus, claims fatherhood over Onesimus. But father, not as a Roman patrician, but a father in chains. And it's, again, trying to undermine the idea of what it means to be the head of a household. Paul says, I'm the head of a household because I'm a prisoner. So let's talk about your status, Philemon. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. This is the language of the mafia. It's the offer you can't refuse. I'm buttering you up because I'm going to sacrifice you for the meal. Right? He's heaping praise. And, and we know from Proverbs, which Paul quotes elsewhere, that kindness isn't always what it seems in Paul's prose, in his rhetorical style. Philemon is being set up to be put down. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ, and this reminds me of Galatians, he doesn't have confidence in Philemon. That's the killer. He has confidence in Christ in verse 8. To order you to do what is proper and correct. That's the rub. I could make you do it. I'm not going to, but I am giving you an offer you can't refuse unless you're telling me that you refuse Christ. Then the conversation ends. So you can refuse it, but then you refuse everything and you're finished. Yeah, you refuse everything. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. You have no choice if you still consider Christ your king and your master. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you, and let's just pretend you have a choice, and then you do the right thing, Philemon. Since I am such a person as Paul. I love this verse. I'm going to say it again because I love it. Since I am such a person as Paul, the agent, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. What I love about this verse is on the one hand, it plays to his weakness. I'm old and a prisoner, but on the other hand, He's saying, I'm Paul, and I'm your elder. I'm wiser and older and senior to you. Let's talk business here. Don't mess with me. But what's interesting is, again, fighting this paradigm, he pairs elder with prisoner. He comes at you from a position of weakness, but with power. In other words, the weakness of the gospel does not mean that you are mild-mannered and wimpy. It means that you disavow fleshly, worldly power and you stand on the power and the authority of the gospel and you come with power. You know, Jesus Christ was raised in power to sit at the right hand of God the Father in judgment. And Paul is manifesting that power which is indifferent to human strength. That's the amazing thing is the way that he thumbs his nose at human strength by saying that his power comes from being a slave, a prisoner, 
that his power comes from begetting children as a prisoner. And he comes at the patrician who is a free man in every sense with judgment. And the way that he is able to thumb his nose at the whole system, I mean, Paul is punk rock before punk rock was punk. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, as you mentioned earlier, who formerly was useless to you. Why was he useless? Because he wasn't evangelized which is a judgment against Philemon. Are you acting as a patrician for your household? Or are you functioning as a patrician in the household of faith, which puts you under the authority of Paul, under the authority of Jesus Christ? If you were functioning as Paul's disciple, Onesimus would already have been useful. So there's something wrong with Philemon's teaching or his administration of his duties as a patrician. But now, Paul, sent him back to Philemon as someone who is useful. So just as Paul is asking Philemon to live up to the meaning of his name, he is showing Philemon that through Paul's instruction, Onesimus is living up to the meaning of his name, and now he's useful. I have sent him back to you in person that is sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be, in effect, by compulsion, but out of your own free will. In other words, I'm giving you the chance here to do the right thing, even if it means that I lose some of the benefit of having Onesimus with me to take care of me. An elder, an old man. And having a minister, I mean, what does Paul need a minister for? It's in order to spread the gospel. It's in order to create more prisoners for Jesus Christ, more servants of Jesus Christ. And so Onesimus can be useful in the fact that he is a servant by nature. He's a prisoner for whatever reason and begotten by Paul in prison. He's the lowest and he's being sent to Philemon's household in order to do the work of Paul there, which is to convert Philemon to the gospel so that he no longer looks at a slave in earthly terms, but in Paul's terms, now he has to look at Onesimus as the son of Paul. A beloved brother, especially to Paul, but how much more to you, Philemon, both in the flesh and in the Lord, meaning he will still, under the authority of Jesus Christ, perform the duties of a Roman servant, but in the context of your household as the household of faith, you must regard him as a brother. Brother. If then you regard me a partner, Philemon, accept him as you would accept me, even stronger language, not just your brother, but as if I, Paul, were coming to your household. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. So. I'm going to pick up the tab for whatever his mistakes were, whatever they were. I'm sending him back to you as the slave of Jesus Christ from my own imprisonment. What's your problem? And it's to teach Philemon how to be a servant because he's the head of a household. The last thing he knows what to do is how to be a servant, how to be a slave. But this is what he needs to know if he's going to be the servant of Jesus Christ. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. In other words, I will repay it, meaning has the implication also of judgment, because he's heaping generosity on the head of Philemon. You already owe me, and now your debt is increased because I'm going to continue to give to you. It implies mercy and generosity, 
which also implies judgment should you not act on the grace of Paul's generosity. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Don't let me down, son. In other words, he's shaming him. You know, I realize people don't get it because we don't talk to our children this way anymore. But that's our loss because right. the wisdom is in the epistle very clearly. Paul needs Onesimus to be in Philemon's house so Philemon can learn how to be a slave. Right. Philemon has to submit himself to learn from his brother a slave, which is the best way to just really gall somebody in the Roman Empire who's the head of a household. By the way, your brother, the slave, you need to listen to him and submit to him, just like you submitted to me, his and your father, who is a prisoner. I mean, every way just turns upside down what a Roman patrician would understand their place in the pecking order would be. Having confidence in your obedience, right? Notice it's the Pauline language. I don't trust you. I trust Christ. And the only thing I have confidence in is your obedience to the one whom we trust, the Lord Jesus Christ. I write to you since I know that you will do even more than what I say. That's a threat. In other words, let's be serious. I'm putting it nicely, but you get the message. You need to repent and stop setting yourself above the servants in your household. Note, he's still a servant in your household because that is his responsibility to Christ Jesus. But as his patrician, you have a responsibility not to overstep your bounds. At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you, meaning don't mess with me. I may still come and visit you at any time, and then I'll know how you're treating my brother Onesimus. And we'll learn what you learned from him in how to be a servant and how to be a slave. Yes, and then he ends with uh, the mention of names, which all have significance. We won't go into that today, but this was a nice podcast today. It's a beautiful letter. Glad to be able to have the opportunity to work through it with you so quickly, Dr. Benton. Thank you very much. Have a great week. You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening.